The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. About two and a half years ago, I was having a neurological flare-up, and I thought this will be it for me. I mean, I, my, I had neurologic numbing in my throat and my neck and my arms, bone-crushing headaches, the room was spinning, and I, I thought I was gonna die. And the Lord whispered in my ear in that bathroom that day, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. Susie Larson helps us understand how intertwined our emotional, spiritual, and physical health are, and how to start living fully alive. Wonderful audience, you're great encouragers. I'm James Robinson, Betty and I welcome you to life today, fully alive. Beth Moore and I actually uh, taught a series, and, and Betty, Betty, uh, you, so you know, uh, Beth's always said when you got going, you did better than us, <laughs> and we did fully alive. That was mm -hmm, a series, but this I love this title because I, I love the truth. This is Susie Larson's book. It's just come out. And I tell you what, the journey she's been on to reach this point of talking about fully alive when it looked like you're just full of death and uh, that it just, every day you're facing it, what she's been through and to be able to share what she shares, in my opinion, is a gift of God. And uh, she's a gift from God to you. This could be, listen to me now, you could hear something today that could set everything in motion in a positive direction beyond anything you ever imagined. Would you welcome Susie Larson to life today, Susie? I want you to download at least highlights. The book is, is absolutely beautiful. I've looked at every uh, chapter in it, and the, the titles and the subheadings are just captivating because you, you're, you're touching nerves where everybody too often live, and a lot of times they think there's no hope, no help. And they get a lot of confusing words, well-intended a lot of times, but do you think sometimes people who are very religious and who could even quote scriptures, sometimes they add, actually add to the battle rather than lightening the load? It actually increases it? Well, that was, uh, that happened with me. I, I heard things uh, that, you know, from people, and I was a young mom, I was still fairly new in my faith, that you wouldn't be going through this if you had more faith, or you must have hidden sin in your life. And I didn't know what to do with those kinds of statements, but this time around, I just knew that wasn't true. But even so, in my bathroom, about two and a half years ago, I was having a neurological flare-up that was, that, I mean, ignited fear, anxiety, like you cannot believe. And I remember going, no, God, I, I don't want this to be my life. I'm begging you not to let me go through this again. And the enemy was railing in my ear as he'd done from childhood because of some traumas I'd walked through. I can get to anytime, anywhere. God will never stop me. And I thought this will be it for me. I mean, I, my, I had neurologic numbing in my throat and my neck and my arms, bone crushing headaches. The room was spinning. And I, I thought I was gonna die. And the Lord whispered in my ear in that bathroom that day, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. 
And I'm like, say that again. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. Mm. And here I'm in a what felt like a spirit of fear in my bathroom, and then physiological fireworks going off in my body. And I'm, I was, I heard, I knew the whisper. I know God's voice. And I'm like, what are the lies that I believe? And just as quickly, that rail in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And that's when the Lord broke through and said, Susie, you have believed that your whole life. And we don't outrun lies. We turn around and we face them. Uh, I'm not going to let you lose, but I have to let you fight. You got to put him under your feet. Yes, it feels like he has you by the throat because my esophagus was actually spasming. I couldn't even swallow. Yes, it feels like he has you by the throat, but the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And I will tell you, that began a battle of contending because I, I'm a veteran in the fitness field. I understand health and I, I really believe I've been able to do what I've done in the last years because I have fought and fought to, to, to get my health back and by God's grace. But I will tell you, so here I have my physical disciplines and I'm a, I'm a woman is serious about the Word of God. I had my spiritual disciplines. But what I didn't know is that what happens in your soul happens in your cells. And that's really the thrust of the book. We've got to pay attention to the stuff that's in our soul because you can have the physical disciplines all day long. But if there is trauma that you've not dealt with, if there is unresolved grief that you're not sorting through with the Lord, you know, if there are core beliefs like self-contempt, this will push out into your physiology. And I'm telling you what, I think the body of Christ, it's time for us to contend for the things that God has for us. And, and there is a mystery, and I, I address this in the book, that there's no name it, claim it thing to get God to do what we want him to do all the time. We all agree on this, that, that very godly people get sick and die. But I will tell you that I'm better for this faith battle because I'm going to err on the side of faith till I take my last breath. That's what I'm going to do. And in that place, God really did show me that there were things in my soul that were stuffed down that God allowed this overplayed enemy attack because he was, I was ready to face them. I was being positioned for freedom. And the spirit of fear was one of those things. So I began this journey, but because I'm a learner, I started to interview brain experts and doctors and scientists going, tell me about the physiological implications of what happens in our soul. And science, even apart from faith, now agrees that there are physiological consequences to what's happening in here. So when I go to Psalm 23:3 and say, he restores my soul, I know that's true. I don't know how this all works and why certain godly people get sick and die and others he heals. I don't get that. But I know my faith pleases him and I know he's made promises to us. And I believe everything in me that there, we all have places in our soul that God wants to restore. But I think we've gotten so used to numbing out and to treating symptoms that we've not slowed down enough, long enough to heal. I think I mentioned to you this over dinner, but Steve Arterburn, when I was interviewing him, said something that gripped me when I was in the throes of my relapse. He said, the great epidemic of the American church today is unresolved grief. He said, every one of us has a, a series of losses, hurts, and disappointments, and we've not slowed down long enough to heal from them. So I went to my doctor friends and my counselor friends. I said, is this true? And I have a counselor friend who said, we, she said, my colleagues and I have more women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s coming in with crazy symptoms, irrational fears, anxieties they've never dealt with before, and, and doctors can't diagnose anything. But once these women make some time and space to go, you know, that loss, that really hurt. That rejection, that betrayal, that did something to me. When they start to take time to get into the presence of God and sort through their hurts under the umbrella of God's love, 
so many of these things work their way out of their health. It is an absolutely amazing thing. So the whole invitation is God wants you to flourish. I don't know what that will look like for you, but I know God has more for each and every one of us. Well, you know, I, I can relate to the fear that you went through because I, I dealt with a lot of that in my life too. And I think it's tough sometimes because I think it was for me the first time I, I really said, God, search my heart and know me. Amen. Because I was afraid, I think, for God to really know or to even bring out any of those things that were connected to fear. I didn't I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But then the matter of trusting Him because He created us. He, he, he knows what's inside of us. He wants us to deal with that and let Him walk us through it to make us better. He is the great physician, by the way. Isn't he? he indeed <laughs> is. And that fear thing, when you're someone who struggles, I mean, Scripture does tell us not to fear, but it is easier said than done. Yes. When you have legitimate things to fear, and when I, I learned uh, on the scientific level that when I'm in fear, because my symptoms were so scary, at one point we didn't know if this was Lyme, which meant it could be a much worse neurological disease. And neurological diseases are horrific. So the fear took off in my body. And so you read, do not fear. But I'm like, that's easier said than done when your face is going numb and your throat is closing up. And, you know, and but the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you can't afford the inflammation. And this is what I learned is that when you fear, when anybody fears physiologically, you basically open a door to inflammatory response and inflammatory response. When your body's in inflammation, that's where sickness and disease grows. So here I'm again, a seasoned woman where I love God's word and I'm physically basically disciplined. But I still couldn't get a handle on the fear. But when they told me that, they're like, your whole body is inflamed. You can't afford inflammation. You've got to do something about this fear. For me, I decided to practice a zero tolerance policy on fear. I'm like, I can't afford it. I'm not going there. And I had to turn my back on fear every time my symptoms flared. And I just saw, God, you're good. Your promises are true. You're going to make a way for me. I don't know what it will look like, but if I have to face another debilitating disease, I'm going to do it with the Prince of Peace and not the spirit of fear. And I got to tell you, there was a moment because I was just, I would get back to that place of fear. And I've got a prayer friend who calls it like it is. And she said, Susie, she said, go ahead and fight for your life, but you have to die to that fear. I'm like, I don't know if I can. And she said, well, the enemy can't mess with the corpse. And you're still trying to, to get God to do what you want to do. And you have to do the even if prayer. You have to do it. That God, you're good. I, I believe you can heal me. But even if you don't, you're still God. Mm. It was one of the scariest things. When your arms are numb and your face is numb and you feel like your head is in a vice and someone's turning it. And I mean, I can't even explain to you how terrible it was. I saw myself crawl up on the altar like a little rag doll. I was so beat up from this disease. I was so disappointed that I was there again. I had so many dreams from my life that were passing before my eyes. But I remembered life on earth is short and eternity is long. And ultimately, every opportunity, every circumstance, every storm is an opportunity for faith. So I thought, I have to do this. And I crawled up on the altar. I just saw myself as in a little ball. I'm like, God, even if, you know, you're still God. And I instantly got this vision of the line of Judah with this flowing mane, put one paw on the altar, then the other, and I'm just curled in a ball, and he roars to the atmosphere as if to serve the atmosphere, no, she's mine. And then he said something that changed my life. He said, Susie, right now you feel fragile and vulnerable, but you're only one of those things. You're fragile, but you're never vulnerable. I've got you. And it changed everything for me. And I had to start living a surrendered life, living in the tension of contending for his promises, but saying, 
and ultimately you get to decide. And I'm telling you, he's done a miracle in my life, in my soul. I still have some symptoms. I'm still on some treatments to work out the rest of what I'm dealing with, but I'm not the same person anymore because fear, the spirit of fear doesn't get to have the last say in my life. So praise Amen. God. So when you, yeah. when, you, when you sat down and, and poured more time than you'd ever poured in anything to go through this, where are you trying to take someone that's watching right now? They've got something going on physically. You know, I believe it's, you made a statement a moment ago, you know, you can, I know, but even if you don't, you're still God. You're still there. That's not a lack of, of trust mm -hmm. to say, Lord, if you don't do what I'm asking, what I know you can do, but you don't do it, you're still God. Jesus actually prayed that way. I'd like you to take this cup from me. If there's another way, Father, this is Jesus talking to his Father. I'd like this cup to be taken away. But if not, your will, your way, whatever. So that wasn't lack of faith. It wasn't lack of trust. He just said, Father, I'm expressing myself to you. And you're still my father. You know, and he, even when he totally cut him off in order to us never be cut off because he took the full brunt of all the wages of sin. And Father, why have you forsaken me? Well, he felt that in a way he'd never imagined that he would feel. He was totally separated, that we would never be separated, but he's still asking questions of his father. Mm. So there's not a thing wrong with asking that. Don't you think sometimes at the church when we talk about faith, that if you don't do it a certain formula or a certain way, will begin to make you feel accused by even the church trying to help you or the enemies accusing you, saying, no, you don't really have faith, you don't believe. And when we're trying to help, oftentimes we actually heap a load of hurt on people with our religious terminology and we don't let them see God. Even when you went through the storm and through the valley and all the pressure, you actually came through it and you see him and you're trying to help people go there without having a bunch of religious cliches that they grasp for. That is what I, exactly what I went for. In fact, I am willing and I have taken flack from the people who say God always heals all the time and if you didn't get your healing, you missed a step. There are people who believe that and they're very angry if you would insinuate anything else. But what do you do, as we talked about over dinner, with godly loved ones who've died who weren't lacking faith? And what do you do? My heart is for those who are chronically ill, who have suffered a long time, but I feel like I have some credibility to talk with them. And you asked what the invitation is. I say we can tend to, when we've suffered a long time, identify more with our mat or our sickness than we do with God's promises. And I am saying, just as Jesus, when he asked the man on the mat, do you want to get well? The man's first phrase, first three words were, I can't, sir. There are hindrances in our own soul to our own flourishing. And that's what I want to talk to is the person who's been suffering a long time, who has identified more with their stuff mm -hmm. than they are with their heir citizenship. And that doesn't mean you're going to get what you want, but it means God's going to do more than you can possibly imagine. And James and Betty, I just think we're in a day where we're so used to treating symptoms that we're not getting to the bottom of why we feel the way we feel. I just believe God has more. So I'm daring everybody who's watching today, I dare you to ask, Lord, are there hindrances in my own soul to my own flourishing? What would you have me do? Because I'm going to pursue a healing and I'm going to pray for a miracle. I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Maybe that's change your diet. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's change how you talk to yourself, how you pray. I mean, maybe you do need to make some adjustments if you have constant defeating thoughts. Make your adjustments, pursue healing, but then ask God to do what only he can do because he will do what only he can do. I'm holding up a book right here called Death Defying Faith. 
This is like reading the uh, New Testament book of Acts in an additional fresh chapter that's just been put there. And by the way, God can do his acts in anyone's life, just like he did the acts in the apostles. This, you talk about miracles, miracles that change cities, communities, nations, miraculous healing. I mean, where eyes that weren't even there were suddenly there. I mean, you've got to read this, death-defying faith. And yet, two Months before my birthday, he's only a year younger than me, Peter Pretorius went to be with the Lord. He had had a serious uh, heart problem that hit him hard. Looked like he was going to get over it, but he went to be with the Lord. And it was a pretty sudden departure. It's not lack of faith. You get this book and then get your book. Somebody who's just been through the hell, going through it, but learning and learning enough that you could sit down and focus and say, I'm going to pour life all over people who need to be fully alive in Christ, Christ in you, and that's precisely what you've done. I think it is, I think it's very providential. I think it's miraculous for many that right now for you, both these books are available. Now, many of you can go online, you can go to a bookstore, and you can get Susie Larson's book. We'll be more than happy to send it to you. You just ask for it, all right? Peter Pretorius's book, we're offering in conjunction with what Peter did. He, he cared for the poor. He, he literally cared for those who were perishing and dying. And we worked together for 30 years. But just the miracle pictures here are so amazing because it's, it's as though someone has laid out two different people, two lives, your story, what someone needs so desperately. And not only, I believe, individuals watching right now, but those who know others who so desperately need the truth you're sharing. Don't you feel that way? That God allowed you to go through this and learn and given you the gift to share so you could see many people become fully alive? Amen. I'm hearing that from people, from people who've been sick a long time, who've lost expectancy, lost hope. But when they hear the formulaic thing, they feel so defeated because they're so exhausted. They're like, I, so now I'm lacking faith? Well, how about you pray that I can have more faith? But as someone who's walked this place, to, to be super honest, this is the most raw book I've ever written, but really being honest about some of the things that the storm revealed for me, it, I'm telling you what, God has more for us. I know he does. And I told you this during dinner too, my son was miraculously healed. It's a medical miracle from a serious back injury. I have not had that kind of a miracle, but I've had a soul miracle. <laughs> and I remember 20 years ago, begging God to heal me because I was a young mom with three boys. I'm like, you've got to heal me. And the Lord whispered to my heart, I could heal you today, but you'd lose it tomorrow. Mm. I'm like, what? what? And he said, you think like a sick person. You, you don't have the infrastructure for healing. And the truth was, every symptom that came, I thought of a worse symptom, a worse fear. And I was bent towards fear because of other things that had happened. I spent the next 20 years thinking like a healthy person, going, God, I thank you for the body parts that work. <laughs> I thank you that I can eat and digest food, you know, and there's more right with me than wrong with me. And I just said over my life, I will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I'm just saying, I know God has more. And no matter how it plays out, He's looking the earth over and he's looking to find faith. And the question is, will he find faith in you? Or have you gotten so used to your kind of low-grade feverish life that you stayed on the mat and when Jesus says, do you want to get well? I can't. Well, yeah, you can. There's something in you that God wants to heal and redeem in you. Don't you appreciate the fact that she's poured out mm -hmm. all this life and been put in a book and done so well? You know, Susie, our, our viewers, I really do believe, are I don't think they're more remarkable people on the planet because they will look and see a need that's legitimate and effective way to meet it, and they say, let's do it, which is why 
They love this ministry that Peter Pretorius founded, the outreaches all over Africa that we've partnered with. And we're going to let our viewers right now look at what is one of the greatest miracle opportunities. And I, I say to our viewers, if you want your prayers answered, seek to be an answer to someone else's prayer. Don't you think it's a good practice? That's a good process. Here's what I'd like you to do right now. I want you to look in and I want you to see some very difficult, challenging moments. And you're going to see it in the countenance of the family members and the mothers. And, and let's just look and see, could I be the miracle that's longed for right now? Am I that source? Am I that channel through which God flows his love, his healing streams, his miracle? Watch. All across Southern Africa, mothers like these are facing an epidemic, an epidemic that slowly takes their children's lives, not because of an illness or war, the children are dying from malnutrition. And even though these mothers know why their children are dying, they can't do anything about it. There's simply just not enough food to feed their family. What we've seen here over the last few days is, is it's heartbreaking. Um, we've literally seen children die. In this part of the the world, death comes quickly, and it doesn't always come with much warning. That's why it's critical that we come in here, where they're at, and supply some kind of nourishment. And we have to have the support of our partners and viewers to be able to expand into areas like this, um, because it's critical. They're, they're losing too many children. I, we've never seen this many go so fast in the short time we've been here. Um, it really is desperate. With our help, Mission Feeding will give a bowl of nutritious food to hundreds of thousands of children every day. Without our help, the children of Southern Africa will face this epidemic alone. Father, I just pray that everyone watching and seeing the need, but then seeing that little circle, that little line of children who are receiving help and hope would realize I can be responsible for that miracle of life, that expression of love in Jesus' name. I, I prayed that for you. When I was watching uh, our son Randy dip that, uh, you know, that, that little pitcher down and get the mix and pour it, we watched the scientists, biologists, the nutritionists, the medical community get that mixture where it had every nutritional need in any region, all that was lacking. And I watched Randy, because I remember when we first started, we didn't have that much study going on because we didn't have supporters and missionaries who were just doing their best to keep them alive. But all the prayers and the participation and even this heat-resistant bowl, you birthed that. People like you said, give those children something other than a, a tin can or a paper sack. Give them something that won't burn their little hands because you have to boil the water to be sure it's clean and not contaminated. Would you please 
just in your heart right now, just, just ask the Lord, what can I do to help? Do you realize, and this, this is not an exaggeration, it's a miracle, but it, it's the truth. We can feed three children for the next months for $30, five for 50 and 10 for 100. Would you be the miracle that mothers are praying for for three or five or 10 children? If you're able to, I'd like to ask you right now to go online or dial that number, take your bank card, please use it like a check. That's how we should always use those cards, like a check. If you want to write a check, make it to life, but call the number, please, and tell us you're mailing it in because we're down to the last days now in this emphasis. Twice a year, we ask you to help, and we're feeding 400,000 children. At least that's the ones they've organized and promised and initiated the feeding, and they've told them that if you'll come, we'll feed you. And you can bring others and we'll feed them, and that's what they're doing. But you're the only source for that food. You're the only way to underwrite it and provide it. Would you right now please go online, get that card, make the gift God puts on your heart. Again, if you write a check, call us and tell us you're mailing it. Remember, we only have a short time left. We're going to send you Peter Pretorius's book, and it is a book of miracles. I promise you, you're going to be thrilled at what God does, and he's doing that. All the outreaches there on the mission field are supported by you and your prayers. We'll send it to you to say thanks for any gift. We've got a beautiful faith and hope uh, pin set to send you. We've got the Bridge of Faith painting for those of you who can make a, a large gift to help touch hundreds of lives. Would you do it right now? Thank you so much. May God bless you because you are sure blessing others. And we say thank you in their behalf. In impoverished and drought-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great. And without food, they face severe malnutrition, even death. Through Life's Mission Feeding Outreach, you can save lives by feeding and caring for children currently suffering in parts of Angola, Mozambique, and South Sudan. With previous reserves gone and mission feeding helping in areas with severe crop failure, we urgently need your support to replenish food supplies to reach the 400,000 children who are counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Death-Defying Faith, The Extraordinary Life of Miracle Man Peter Pretorius. This autobiography, completed just days before his unexpected death, chronicles the thrill-seeking adventures of missionary Peter Pretorius. You will love reading how God took this ordinary man and performed extraordinary miracles throughout all of Africa. With your gift of $100 or more, request the beautiful Faith and Hope pen set, two beautifully crafted pens featuring the keywords of Hebrews 11.1, 1, a key verse for every believer, especially when facing adversity, trials, and challenges. Finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more to help feed and care for 100 children, be sure to request the Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, I know many of you do what Betty and I do toward the end of the year. We, we really pray about a special year-end gift, and I'm, I'm very grateful that we, we do get credit for giving those gifts, not only from heaven, but that's one of the kind things our federal government does here in the U.S. They give you a little break. Death-defying faith was sending you for any gift. If you would like to have Susie's book, Fully Alive, we'll be more than happy to send it to you. Just ask for it and say, 
We're trying to give life and full life and hope because they not only save their lives, they point them to eternal life through Jesus Christ. Join Betty and me in saying thanks to Susie Larson. Would you please? What a blessing you are. I'm glad you are well and getting strong. Me too. Thanks okay. for sharing. Thank you. Thank all of you for watching. Thank you for sharing. We love you. Next week, former sports attorney, Miss America finalist, and competitor on The Apprentice, Marshawn Evans Daniels, helps you find the path to your purpose. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.